Good morning. Good morning. We have visitors with us today from Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, although our connection Randy and Cynthia Wright. And our connection is Cynthia was in the same congregation as the Vickers and the Wilsons. It was, oh no, it, in the last century. In Terre Haute, Indiana. So Terre Haute, it's a nice place to live, but you wouldn't want to visit. <laughs> Announcements on here. I'm, I'm just looking. Um, it says join HISDOM, uh, an orphan care ministry based in Belarus, for their annual cake tasting at 6.30 p.m. tonight in the gathering room. There's no cost to attend. But the other announcement I saw listed it as a cake wall. Speak of the last century. And the Otter Creek Women's Ministry is having a bow making and present wrapping lesson <laughs> this Tuesday, November the 14th, in the gathering room. 6.30 to 8.30. Bring your own ribbon for your vote. Mm -hmm. And then prayer concerns two uh, deaths in, in the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> One, Betty Castleman's mother, Martha Bramlett Mitchie, passed away November the 6th. And Irene Acuff, longtime member, passed away October the 28th. Graveside services were held November the 3rd. If you can add one more, uh, June yes. and I are at Belmont, and, and we just had an awful tragedy you know, this week with the death of, of uh, Jillian Ludwig, who was killed by a straight bullet wow. only a few blocks from our campus. And so this is a student? A student. A freshman from New Jersey. She's a oh. freshman from New Jersey. Walking One of our music students, she's just walking in the park that's just uh, south of our campus, uh, north of our campus. And uh, to say the least, our campus has been turned upside down. Oh. Yeah. So, I had a student with a panic attack on Friday. So many others that are just... Um, you know, they're just terrified. I'm just seeing it coming through the clinic of people that just, right now, just pray for our students, pray for our community. Uh, it has turned our campus upside down. And uh, like I say, rightfully so, that people are nervous that you can take a walk in a park and not be shot. And so it's, yeah. it has uh, definitely been a very, very difficult week uh, at Belmont. After yeah. two suicide deaths. Yes, we've had two suicides. One at the beginning of the 
Well, yeah, we one at the end, of, you know, end of summer, and then we had one in the middle of this one, and that one was a... What was her name again? Jillian, Jillian Ludwig, L-U-D-W-I-G. Yeah, we were just over there a week ago yesterday on Saturday for a show at the Fisher. Beautiful Saturday evening, you know, just walk around, found a restaurant, walked walk to parking. Yes? Uh, Leland, just a reminder about Bella, Bella Bar oh. Barlow, Barlow. Yeah. Um, she's an 18-year-old who's friends uh, with our son, Jonathan, and she uh, has begun to have some neurological issues that they can't seem to get uh, diagnosis, um, issues of there's times when she's wheelchair bound and these have just started and they've run MRIs and all the other testing that uh, needed to be done and they can't seem to figure out what's going on that's causing the shaking and she, you know, her inability to walk at times. So they're looking into trying to get some information from Cleveland Clinic or from Mayo Clinic and but they're they very Middleton so Jonathan asked if we would pray for her. Yeah, her dad is good friends with our son. This is a, a prayer I read this morning. Um, oh God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that having this hope we may purify ourselves as he is pure that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom, where he lives and reigns with you and Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Father, to this we add prayers for the family and the friends of this young woman that was so suddenly taken. We pray for peace and for strength, for friendship amongst many, many. Father, we also pray for, for Bella, for a clear diagnosis of what's going on and for her recovery. We thank you for this day. Your son's name. Amen.
in our study of speeches and sermons in the book of Acts, we're in chapter 20, and uh, I think I've said this almost every week, this one's a little bit different. And, and uh, Luke, Luke has done a good job of, of including a variety. But this one is a really a, a pastoral, sit-down conversation between Paul and uh, a group of, it says, elders from the church in Ephesus. Um, very quickly, the background here, if we start right at the beginning of chapter 20, uh, Paul is leaving Ephesus after being there about three years, he says. Um, he uh, goes by boat across, I should have brought a map, but anyhow, across the Aegean to the See, I'm pointing to the west. <laughs> um, to Greece, apparently to Corinth. Stays there about three months or so. As a side note, it is thought that that's the during those three months that he wrote his letter to the Romans while he was there in Corinth. And then um, leaves there goes to Philippi, travels around in the first few verses of chapter 20, gives a really neat travelogue of, of uh, cruise to the Greek islands, and, <laughs> and uh, he touches here and there. And there's a comment that he's in a bit of a hurry because he wants to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And I guess I had read that previously years ago and thought, oh, you know, he has his time schedule. But no, Paul is still thinking Jewish holidays. He wants to be in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. He's, you know, whatever age he is at this point, I don't know, it's 40, 50, 30, whatever he is, He's that many years raised as a compliant Jew, and where would you want to be at Pentecost? Well, of course. Sure. So he's in a hurry. And he knows if he stops in Ephesus, unless they kick him out, he's going to have a hard time extracting himself because he's so close to this group of people. So uh, the idea is, okay, we'll stop in Miletus, which is a little port city, about a two-day walk from Ephesus. We'll stop there. It says he called the elders from Ephesus to come to Miletus to uh, meet with him. So he figures he can meet with them, say goodbye, and leave. Know, without being held on to too much. Um, if, if you like geography, you'll be curious to know. Miletus now is nine miles from the coast. 
The, the river has silted in over the centuries, and even by the end of the Roman period, in like three or four hundred, Miletus was no longer a port. It, it, um, they, they needed some dredging barges. <laughs> so, anyhow, he met with the elders and uh, let me just read through uh, the verses starting uh, in the middle of verse 18 in chapter 20. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, keep those two words in the back of your head. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. For pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Remember, this is the group of elders, so he's already called them elders shepherds, overseers, episcopal, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, Remember, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
And now, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. While I'm right there at that verse, does anyone know what Paul is quoting? Remember the words of the Lord, how he himself said, Where do you find it is more blessed to give than receive? It's a, it's a trick question. <laughs> Not in the Gospels. It's not in the Gospels. No, I was thinking in the Old Testament. It, it, it can be connected with approximate wording in the Old Testament. But, but Paul says he has some record, oral or written or something, that, that Jesus actually said that. But... We is it have. also in the same place where cleanliness is next to <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's in verse uh, Acts 29. <laughs> so, and then this chapter closes with, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I just, in the past, I've read this, I'm show my time here, um, and thought, oh, you know, he had a good visit and he was leaving and they might not see him. But someone else said, you know, the number of times that he he repeats about not seeing them again. Paul is telling them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. They're, they're, they're going to get rid of me this time. And these group of guys, group of elders, um, knew that they weren't going to see him again because he was not going to be in the living. He was, he was going to be gone. And it, they didn't just give him a handshake and a kiss on the cheek and say, see you later. I mean, this is... They embraced him. They kissed him. They much weeping. So this was this was really an emotional departure. Uh, 
I just think it's a it's a an interesting story of the relationship between Paul and a church that he has spent a lot of time with. Questions or yeah. I don't think this, there's an answer to this, but it seems it just seems odd to me that if I were with a group of people that I'd worked hard with and loved, and it's honestly not a terribly emotional speech. He's commending them and warning them, and but his last thing to say is, "It's more blessed to give than to receive." Why? Why do you think he went back to that? I mean, this stay faithful to the word or in season and out of season or I don't know but it just seems really odd to me that like I said there's no answer to that I just think yeah. that's odd <laughs> somebody smarter than me alright this is clearly you know we're talking about uh, this is clearly Cliff Notes version of this speech oh, okay. you don't walk two days and then Paul goes hey guys 68 seconds <laughs> let me tell you a little bit and I'm getting on the boat yeah I mean, you know this was a long conversation. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're seeing just a little synopsis. What, I mean, could you imagine Luke trying to write this down as Paul is going on? I mean, Paul's in order. Well, in the same chapter, he preached somebody to death. Yeah, right. Yeah, literally, literally just before this, he preaches all night long. Exactly. Because he knows he's never coming back to Troas again. And, and poor Eutychus yes. falls asleep and falls out of the window. window. <laughs> he raises him and then he preaches till the Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a true preacher. Do a miracle. And we're at Ella Mortel. But yeah, I mean, because you know that you just see this little cement. Yeah. But clearly it was passionate because they're just crying. Yeah. And they won't let, I mean, it, it's almost we won't let you go. Yeah, that's it. And every and you look around here in Acts, every time he goes to a church, the Spirit talks to people there to tell him, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Right. And then Paul goes, no, I'm going. Yeah. Must have been a little fundraising going on, too. Mm -hmm. he, he throws that. <coughs> That's what I was we curious. Get, is um, he talking about giving money and receiving money, or is he talking about giving your life? That's where I want to My first yes. inclination is money. Well, but but Paul, they're, they're one and the same. Yeah, you can't you can't separate them. I mean, at this point, there's all sorts of theories about how the the collection was being carried. It, there's a big group of people with Paul, mm -hmm. probably partly his bodyguards. Yeah, he is, I mean, part of his trip to Jerusalem is to take the offering, the collection, That's true. To, the, to the folks there. Yeah. Um, you threw out the question of where this quote is from, but you never gave an answer to it. No, the answer is we don't know. Oh. It's, it's not in the Gospels. Okay. It's, it's, it's uh, Paul says it is a quote from 
Jesus. It's in the gospel where John says Jesus said lots of other things. And if I wrote them down, not all you know, the whole world could keep them. It's a bad part of the gospel. So John John covered that for us. What does, when he talks about among yourselves men speaking twisted things, uh, what what population of, of people is he predicting? I mean, is he talking about pagans? Is he talking about uh, unbelieving? You know, non. He talks about people who are wolves from within, and so it's going to be some insiders, I think. Yeah, and and, you, and, and even from the language there. From among the group of leaders of the church, yeah. there's going to be some some people that will uh, stray. Uh, we know from history, all the side teachings or twisted teachings that arise, a lot of them come out of Ephesus. Yeah. Is this before or after the whole, you got to be circumcised to be part of it? The Judaizing teacher that followed Paul everywhere. Yeah, after. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've already that, well, already dealt with that. The council, no. the council quote quote was in. It, uh, it, it has come up and been dealt with, and it will come up again. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, that, so I'm gonna. Yep. Sorry. I, Give you 17 minutes. Okay, okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, you folks are ahead of me. Boy, it's hard to go second. Um, I, in Acts 1, here we have, if you have a red letter Bible, you have a quote from Jesus. And uh, he already posed the question. And, uh, of course, you know, Jesus, we have some red letters in the first chapter, and Jesus leaves. How could Jesus be? But that, that poses a couple of trivia things just to kind of kind of get us going. The verse that begins right before our stack of books in Acts, the last verse says, and there were also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a common language. I love that. It's just so... Oh, I just suppose we couldn't even hold all of them. It was so great. Well, here, another trivia thing here. House to house. We have here, um, Paul is going, he said, I went from house to house teaching you. That phrase, somebody underlined this in my Bible. That phrase, house to house. Where have we seen that before? Isn't that how he was pursuing the Christians? Exactly. In Acts 3. House to house, he would take men and women and put them in prison. Now, house to house. I mean, he's made a U-turn ending. I mean, it's the same personality, but God had given him a different mission. And that's kind of the, I kind of like that. A couple of trivia things that probably maybe aren't, and, and we've already talked a lot about all this. I don't know that we need to talk much about it now. Bogosley, uh, um, I forget his first name, uh, says that the intent of this Speech is sanctification, is making saints. And he says, uh, he says there in 20, he talks about how that uh, he's he's wants them to be sanctified. And being sanctified, of course, being holy and um, and becoming saints. There is another trivia thing. I, I credit uh, Ferguson from ACU. Uh, he's the first one I heard say this that. All, every time the word saint is used in the Bible, in the New Testament, every time the word is used, 
it's always in the plural. There's never a singular reference to someone being a saint. A lot of, a lot of, uh, of our godly friends would say someone has become a saint. And we might say that of someone we think is very honorable. But text in the text, there's never a soul. It's always in the plural. How do we become saints? Because we're together. That togetherness. And, and uh, Oglesby says that um, sanctification was what it was that he was talking about. In the word of gra is grace, God's grace. The grace of God is what sanctifies us. The grace of God is what makes us holy. Um, he, he begins his speech by reviewing what the Lord has blessed him with. Think about who is there. Um, he, he, he was there for three years, so he has people who probably were the silversmiths that lost their job. When, remember the riot there? Uh, it may have been um, uh, people who were uh, Roman officials. It may have been some Jews and some Greeks, of course. All kinds of different people that were there listening to him, that he had kind of burst into the faith. They kind of burst in the idea of you can become holy through the grace of God. He, he talked to he reviewed, he talked about the difficulties, and Paul has absolute integrity. There were people then and there are people now who pull shenanigans and ask money of people and go off and scam off with it and go off and do things with it. That, you know, and it Paul is a man of integrity. He worked. He was honorable. Uh, he turned their attention to the future leaders, bear witness to God's grace. That is good news. I mean, again, I've said this before in our class, but if we could, if we could get the message out to the world of the, um, the amazing, irresistible good news that, your grace, that God's grace is going to forgive you, what a blessing, what a wonderful thing. It's good news, and grace is what humbles everybody because when we have a business meeting with ourselves and God, we realize uh, we're a sinner. And when we get to heaven one day, we're going to say, oh, I can't believe it. I, 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 didn't, I don't deserve this. Um, that's, that strikes me. <clears throat> he says false teachers would arise from within the Ephesian church. King, New King James says, they wept greatly and fell on his neck. Uh, the message says, there was a river of tears, much clinging to Paul, not wanting to let him go, and the pain cut deep. I think of the love that the prodigal father had for the prodigal son. There's a song now. Uh, what about the prodigal father? Prodigal just means wasteful, extravagant. What about the prodigal father? And when the father was able to greet his son, and he came back, he kissed his neck. <clears throat> Um, so I thought about this yesterday and I get emotional when I think about this I mean David David Stone says he cries at Geico commercials <laughs> <laughs> so I had one church tell me cut the emotional crap okay they thought I was acting and I wasn't acting I said you know sometimes when I talk about family or something it matters I don't have it in my notes get ambushed by your emotions here but you know, I'll try to do this without being emotional but think back to the person who introduced you to your faith. These people had been introduced to the faith by Paul. And uh, 
And he had seen them grow from infants into people who were being sanctified and they were, they were elders in the church. I don't think when I get to heaven, for some of us it may be our parents. For me it was my parents. Some of it may be a grandparent. Um, but I don't think when I get to heaven I'll fist bump my parents. I want to climb on their lap and kiss their neck. Go ahead. I think the way heaven is supposed to be, you know, heavenly, just wonderful. I think God is not going to allow us to see or know who did not get there. I don't think He will allow that for us because that would be a terrible thing. And once I got that through my head and realized it, I was so relieved because to me that would be very prevalent. Oh, yes. You're right. That's right. Mm -hmm. No tears in heaven, right? Every once in a while, for some reason, it pops up in my Facebook feed (laughs) this painting, and I don't know where it comes from, but the title is first day of heaven and have you seen this painting it's 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 Jesus you know the, the typical portrait of what Jesus is supposed to look like yeah yeah and a a I think it's a woman I'm not sure but just hugging and hang hanging on his neck and, and, uh, <laughs> I just think, uh, and, you know, when my dad passed away, I can remember people that uh, he had taught and influenced coming to his side. And they were just so grateful to be able to say what he meant to them. It changed their life, it changed their eternity. And Paul was being hugged by people here all their spiritual existence in their eternity damn and uh, that kind of nails me um, <clears throat> so I, I plan on you folks talking stuff a couple things yeah. uh, we'll go here and then over here I was just going to say, have you heard the song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord? You know, where it talks yes. about... It talks about the generations of people that you get to heaven and there are people that are there because you taught this person who taught that person who taught that person. Right. Yes. My mom just passed away this summer and, you know, that's one of the songs I have played, you know, at her funeral, but it was just so fitting. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think I heard it understand I also just think the fact that these are also the people to whom Paul is, he's got three more letters to write to the Ephesians that are all corrective. Oh, yes. Which is, I think, the, you know, you have this great, they're all crying, here, just stay the line, stay the line, stay the line. And then, you know, Paul gets thrown in jail. And, oh, I need to write them up. Here, I've got a I need to write them a letter. Yeah. And then he sends Timothy to them. 
and says, hey, you've got to straighten these guys out a little bit. And uh, the interesting thing is, you know, he tells Timothy, the first thing he tells Timothy is, go appoint some elders. He just met with the elders. So you, you wonder what oh, happened in the intervening yeah. three to four years yeah. Yeah, yeah. that he has to send Timothy to do what he, you know, all the elders come and see me. Yes. And, you know, keep the faith. Keep going strong. And then four years later, five years later, he was right. He's sending, physically sending Timothy to them to say, "Hey, finish, finish this, finish this." Yeah. You know, in response to your thought um, about this line of "more blessed to give than receive," Ogilvy talks about how that when we have when we have received uh, the grace of God, when we are sanctified, there is also a joy in giving. I mean, those of us who have maybe kids or grandkids, we've given to our kids. There is joy in giving. We do enjoy giving. But he's saying that when we've been sanctified, our life is such, we are holy, we are sanctified, we are saints. Well, that's my warning. Um, then all we can do is, is give it away. And, and uh, when we give that away to people, we are blessed. Linda Broom and as Evelyn told a story about years and years ago when he was in uh, Nigeria. Uh, all of the Americans had to leave because of trouble in the country, and so they left. And he said, in our idealistic young minds, we thought, oh, woe is the church. Woe is the church. Oh, what a sad day for the church. And so they had these hugging goodbyes, of course, probably like Paul's yeah. and and the elders, and the Americans left. And they thought, well, we took Jesus to him, but they forgot Jesus might have already been there. And he said, after X number of years, they started getting letters from people saying the church is moving, the church is growing. At least in our fellowship, the, the message in Nigeria blossomed when the Americans got out. And it moved. Elder Eccles tells a lot of stories about this, and I was looking at this this morning. I've talked before about the Lawrence Avenue Church of Christ in Nashville. There was a, there was a guy, uh, an el a, a, a missionary, college student age, I think, Elder Eccles at the time. But this church in Nashville got a letter from this guy named Essie in Africa. He said, um, I baptized somebody, somebody baptized me, I baptized somebody else. And we went here, and we went to this city, and we baptized these people, and, we, and the people back in Nashville think, sure, something's wrong, we've got to go and straighten this guy out. You know, we got, something's going wrong here, we've got, we got to get this straightened out. And sent Albert Eccles over there. And Elder Eccles was a young guy at the time. And he said he took me from town to town, to village to village to village, met these badge of people, he wore me out driving from one place to another. He said there were congregations everywhere, all kinds of believing people. And it was just like, what a, what a blessing. What a blessing. And I want to someday, now that I live in Nashville, I'm going to drive by that church. I checked their website today and was looking at that. But I think, what a great, what a great heritage. And um, what would happen? What would happen to the kingdom after Paul? Entrusted to the elders. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, a personal experience. 
for us who were uh, from Terre Haute, Indiana. We were involved in India, a mission there, and we made a couple trips there during that time. And <coughs> you need to understand that we had to have someone interpret anything that they said. And so we would do some teachings. But anyway, the day before we left, we met with this group that we were studying with. And I'd say there were maybe 12 or 15. And we were actually in a hut, a thatched hut. And we were meeting with them. And our, our leader said, well, we're really glad to be with you all here. And this concerns this uh, saying goodbye that uh, Leland and you pursued. We, uh, we really want you to know that we're going to be leaving, but we'll see you soon, sometime later. And this lady, Indian, you can only speak Indian, said this one word, inevitable. That's, you know, afraid afraid. You know, in the 1040 window, which is sort of the middle part of the world, Christianity is booming. And um, some folks are even summarized, maybe, maybe they should send missionaries to the Western world. We're missionaries. Well, it's so nice to have all of you here. I'm going to some guests here today. Oh, you said, well, welcome, Hoosiers. That's good. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, thank you. Thank you for the work of your grace that can sanctify and make people holy. We are so unworthy of that grace. And for that, we praise you. We look forward to the day that we can be in heaven where we will open our eyes and there will be Jesus directly in front of us wiping away our tear. Thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, come on, we'll just eat. Debbie and I are planning to be out of town next week, so if he has a whole hour, he won't have to share. <laughs> but, but the following week, Sunday of Thanksgiving I, when those of you that still have your schedules that I made up, I, I skipped that Sunday because I had information that Otter Creek wouldn't have Sunday school that day. It would be worship only. They've now told us, oh yeah, we'll have Sunday school. So, so, so Jackie and I will be gone to Denver to see our son and, well, really, see the granddaughter. <laughs> so the tent, you know, people will be here. So, uh, I don't know. I hope it will Some of you, are some of you not traveling on Thanksgiving and will be here? Jan, Debbie and I? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Wilson? Well, okay, so... We got so you'll have a class. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> next week. Next week. What's our assignment? Oh, we well, have three three passages, don't we? Well, yeah. Well, I think we won't get to three. <laughs> this is Paul in Jerusalem. So he talks to the church elders 
so there's, there's, I'm going to need the church elders talk to him. And again, I mean, I would call it kind of a compromise. They're trying to deflect uh, attention. And then Paul standing, being held onto by some Roman soldiers on the steps of the garrison talks to the crowd, surprises them by talking in Hebrew. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll be back to Paul next week. Hey, thanks for coming.